0: Now, let's get to this week's episode. Welcome to T-Bone Speaks with Dr. Tarun Agarwal, where our goal is to change the way you practice dentistry by helping you achieve clinical, financial, and personal balance. Now, here's your host, T-Bone. Okay, everyone, welcome back for another episode of T-Bone Speaks. I'm your most ungracious host today, and uh, today I have with us a a wonderful person and a subject that is not near and dear to my heart, but a actual source of great frustration in my practice. And quite honestly, it's not frustration because I don't have the right people because I I would, I I would honestly say that uh, this is where I do have some really good people in my practice. And um, uh, it's an area where I think I have missed the boat in terms of leadership and showing the need and how important it is for me in my practice, and I'm talking about the hygiene department. And today we have Rachel Wall with us. Rachel, how are you doing?
1: I'm doing fantastic, T Bone. Thanks for having me.
0: You sound southern today a little bit.
1: I do. Okay. Well, I've been in California for the last week, so I'm home, and I'm I'm just um, sinking into the to the southern drawl.
0: <laughs> You're acclimating to North Carolina, yes,
1: exactly. <laughs> I'm overcompensating.
0: <laughs> well, you know, Rachel, um, we actually first met uh, on 1999-2000.
1: We did. That's we a long did. time
0: ago. Yeah. It is
1: a long time ago. We were first, first uh, very enthusiastic newbies at SCN. Yes. And uh, Yeah, it was great. And it's been really fun watching your career soar and just um, love all the stuff that you're doing. And I, ju- I always enjoy being around you because... You know, you, you always know where you stand with Chiba.
0: And, <laughs> Why does everybody tell me that? It just and,
1: you know, but it's, you're real. You're very real and and you just put it all out there. And I really like that. I appreciate that. My, my
0: favorite thing I just did recently is we did a hot tub video. Yes. And um, I, my wife says I should watch it, to actually watch <laughs> it to see if I'll ever do it again. But um, there's nothing like four shirtless guys in a hot tub at 1 a.m. 1 shooting a dental video. There you
1: go.
0: It's real. (laughs) It was real. You can't get more
1: real than that, right?
0: (laughs) You can't get, that is very true. So, all right, Rachel. So tell me who is Rachel Wall and how, and how and why should our listeners know you?
1: Yeah. So I'm a hygienist first, first and foremost, I've been a hygienist for 25 years now, hard to believe. And I started, um, probably about 13 years ago, I started Inspired Hygiene and, and I had been in working in the consulting field for a few years before that um, and worked on my own as a solo consultant for many years. And then probably about six years ago, I started to build my team. And so now we are a team of uh, all of our coaches are hygienists and we have a fantastic um, supportive team as well here at the home office. And so we just have the privilege of going out and speaking um, at you know all Most or all of the major meetings between, you know, between all of us and a lot of local study clubs and things like that. And just sharing ways that dentists and hygienists and really the entire team can help grow the practice through hygiene. And then we also do private coaching where we go out into practices and help uh, practices customize a program for them that really helps them grow in the way that works best for their practice and um, really tap into the potential of what's, what's lying there as far as growth potential and hygiene. And um, so I, I've coined a term, this, I'm going to put this public now first on T-Bone Speaks is I've coined this term return on hygiene. And um, I just wrote a book and we'll share a little bit more about that as we chat, but this kind of, we're going to peek into a little bit in this book and it looks you know at, at where those potentials lie and so you shared some frustrations and things that are happening in your practice with me several years ago and then again we've talked about them recently um so if you could just kind of lead us into that sure. yeah
0: yeah, we'll yeah you know i think um you know i think like you said i'm i'm honest and open and sometimes yeah. too open my, my wife calls it verbal diarrhea <laughs> but um you know i think one of the things that drives me crazy is when I hear dentists say, well, hygiene is a loss leader, like it's, right. like it's bread or milk or, <laughs> or something yes. at the grocery store. And and I don't look at hygiene at, like that at all. In fact, I would say that hygiene is quite honestly one of the most important, if not the most important part of your practice, because 70% of, uh, at least in our practice, 70 to 80% of the work that, that we do comes through our hygiene department, um, mm-hmm. at least on the restorative side. And so, so when you have great, well-trained hygienists, I think that's unbelievably important to have. Uh, And so one of my, my major focus over the, in 15 years of practicing has been always been, I have my hygienist focus on me and Mm -hmm. my needs and my patient's needs with me. And what that's done is it's taken a de-emphasis on, on their needs in terms of the perio numbers and the perio treatment and some of those things. and, and, That doesn't mean that we're not diagnosing uh, because uh, I don't want to believe that we're doing substandard care. Mm -hmm. What I call it is we're miscoding. Ah. Uh, So I know that we're treating perio. I I know it because I go in there and I see the two by twos, the bloody two by twos. Yes. So I know we're treating perio. I just know that we're not coding it correctly. And so as, as we've developed our practice and as our practice is moving into different phases, I'd like to see our hygiene team perform at the same level that our, our practice is performing at where they're in the top 10% of practices mm-hmm. nationwide. And, mm-hmm. and, and, and a lot of us give excuses. And my excuse has been, uh, one is I've always had them focus on my stuff only. So that's been my excuse. Mm-hmm. I've always said things like, well, I don't care about the perio numbers as long as they keep me busy. And as long as we treat patients properly mm-hmm. by that mean, I mean, who cares if I call it a prophy and do perio? Mm-hmm that's just a money issue, correct? So as long as the overall practice numbers are fine, I'll take a little bit of a hit there. And then the other thing I say is, well, you know, I hear Rachel, I hear so many other people talk about great hygiene numbers. And I go, well, you know, in fee-for-service environment, that's fine. But in a PPO environment like mine, where we take multiple PPO practice network insurances, and they, they certainly limit or, or suppress your fees, you know, I, I think that's an easy excuse to make. and And quite frankly, Uh, I I don't want to have that excuse anymore. I want us to focus on uh, being a top 10% hygiene department because I have top, I have top 1% people and we we have a top 1% practice and we have a top 1% technology. Uh, So let's, let's start making the the hygiene department itself that way as well.
1: And that's something that we see a lot uh, in practices that we work with because, you know,
0: uh,
1: all of us that are out there, presenting and speaking and working with practices and the, and the doctors that come to your seminars, T-bone, you know, we, we come to think of them as, uh, as the average dental practice, but they're really not. I mean, they're they're,
0: they're really not not.
1: They're It's just because we are fortunate enough to work, you know, with these professionals that want to continue getting better and better. It becomes our normal, but it, but it's not the average, right? These are, like you said, the top 10 or less percent, uh, of, of the dental practices out there. And, and so what we see a lot is we see the dentists have gone to your course. They've gone to spear, they've gone to LVI. They've, they've done all of this additional education. And at some point in their career, like, sounds like maybe you've reached that point is they look back and they say, okay, so I'm practicing here, right? And maybe in 2017, I'm practicing a year or two ahead of where most of the other practices are. And, or maybe a decade ahead of where a lot of other practices are, but my hygiene team is still, you know, back in, in, in 1999. And so, yeah. And so how do I bring them up to speed with technology? How do I bring them up to speed with their service mix? How do I bring them up to speed with a profitability piece? Right. And that's really where we, we come in and help and say, okay, where do you want to be? What is your practice model? How can, how can we help you tap into that level of growth? So that's common. And you know we've had some heart to heart leadership conversations with dentists. Yeah, I remember one client here in the Charlotte area that um, I had to say, hey, you know, here can I can I give you some coaching? And um, you know, this particular doctor was using the next version, the version of CRAC that hadn't even been released yet. And I said, so so you're using this type of technology, and your hygienists are using ultrasonic units that are From the 1990s,
0: well, or they could be like me, like me three years ago, we were using uh Chinese uh ultrasonic units. <laughs> yeah, I remember <laughs> you and I having a conversation about that. So, so, so that's <laughs> a, but see, see, Rachel, I don't mind you calling me out on, on the thing <laughs> on this, okay? Uh, because that, that's okay because I want people to know that, um, you know, we all make these silly mistakes sometimes, yeah, and um. Sure. Yeah. So, you know, but it, it hurt my feelings, but, but, <laughs> but, 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 you know, we got to get challenged sometimes we got to get disrupted. Absolutely. And, um, there, there honestly is a difference. And, um, and you know, I, I would never use inferior product or things in my end of things. But so why should I expect my hygienist to do it? Just like it's the same with instruments. Like my hygienist came to me the other day and said, Hey, it's been X number of years since we've gotten yeah. new instruments. I'm like, can't you just resharpen them again? She goes, When's the last time you resharpened one of your instruments?
1: Right. It's like using a dull burr. Right. So so this dentist uh, took that advice and that coaching very well and immediately, you know, updated the equipment that they had because truly they were they were operating with subpar equipment. And um and that's one of the things that the hygienists appreciate about, you know, when we come in is we're we're looking at how can we maximize the department but also how can we create a return for them for the provider, right? So it creates a more um, optimal working environment because then your hygienists are going to be happier and they're going to be more loyal and they're going to want to help build the practice. So it's a, it's just it has to be a win for the patient, for the practice, and for the provider. So you sent me some questions, so we're going to go through some of these questions. But um, to start out, let's just look at kind of the two classic hygiene benchmarks and where the rubber meets the road. And when you speak about being disruptive, you know the this influx of Uh, PPO participation is, to be quite honest, is a little bit disruptive for us because, you know, we've worked a lot with in the past with a lot of fee for service practices. You know, it's very easy. You know, we teach them to do XYZ. They do it. They see a a huge, great return. And as we're working with more and more practices that are participating heavily in PPOs and more and more uh, small group practices, we recognize, hey, like we've got to look at this and we've got to figure out. What is the most creative, you know, most effective way to help these practices? And we're constantly learning that, right? With every client, you know, we're learning something new and with every seminar we take and an insurance program that we listen to, you know, we, we refer to the gurus for all of the, you know, ins and outs of all of the coding, but there's some basic things that we have to know and teach and ways to maximize, you know, what you're doing to make it profitable because the bottom line is... You know, from business between business owner and business owner, you know the profitability of your business measures. That's the measure of longevity for any business, really.
0: Yeah, you and know, so. Yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I, you know, I was going to say, you know, I, I, um, I had a nice conversation with Megan, my hygienist, and yep. she was asking me about some things. And I said, listen, Megan, I'm happy to do anything you want uh, at the end of the day. And, and here's what we got to do to get there. And, yeah. and what's amazing is so for the hygienist that maybe listen to our podcast and, and I encourage dentists to have their teammates uh, and their team members to right. listen, listen to it is I say, if if you don't have the right equipment, uh, it may be a financial situation where the practice really can't afford it, mm-hmm. or the practice doesn't see the value in it. Mm-hmm. And see, what I always tell people, what I believe in is is that you should never allow <clears throat> you should never allow someone else to dictate your future. So yeah. that means if you're working in a practice, and I'm not saying leave your practice, although sometimes that's a choice. Yeah. <laughs> okay, but. Just because you're working in a practice, like in my practice, my focus is on so many different things, so many much honestly, and I don't mean this demeaningly, but so many much higher level things now that I tell Megan, I say, Megan, don't let me and my focus not being on you hold you back. Yeah. You know, so if you, if you come up with something, if you say, hey, I want to implement this. Yeah. Don't wait on me. Yeah. You know, take the initiative, make it happen and see you know and then show me so i always yeah. i use the i use the word sell me on it i mean yeah. because i'm a business person at the end of the day you know if if you want a new xyz you know, tell me what, what's in it for me? What's in yep. it for you? What is it going to take? How much does it cost? How long before we can you know get the re- recoup on that? And what's in it for the patient certainly? And what's in it for the practice? Uh, but hey, I want to do one thing before we before we move forward. Okay, mm-hmm. so and I I want to try to establish some uh, realistic uh, goals here. Okay? okay, so what would you say? I I call it knowing the score. What would you say a current hygienist in a typical PPO practice does per day in an eight hour day right now?
1: Yeah. Okay. So that's where exactly where I was going is looking at this profitability. So I would say, you know, we still set, we still set the, uh, when people say, what should our hygienist be, be producing? We still have the, you know, at least a thousand dollars to $1,200 a day. That's our established, that's
0: establishing our goal.
1: Yeah. That's establishing our goal. Um, obviously there are going to be practices that are on both ends of those spectrums and we're going to actually go through some math in just a minute. Uh, And and that math is on my
0: practice, right?
1: Yep. It is. It is on your practice. (laughs) Yeah. That's,
0: that's, that's an open book. So no, but what do you think most practices are at when they, when they, you know, in general, stay with us. We'll be right back. Hey there, podcast family. T-bone here to talk about the 3D dentist digital implant continuum. Are you ready to start placing dental implants, but feeling a bit hesitant and or overwhelmed? I know that feeling. I've been there. Let's change that together. Imagine not just learning about dental implants in a classroom, but actually performing surgeries on real patients. Right here in North Carolina, guided every step of the way by our expert 3D mentors. This is dental implant learning at its best, using techniques that are safe, predictable, and confidence-boosting. They're exactly what I use in my own practice, so you know they work. Our course goes beyond clinical skills. We prepare you to successfully integrate high-demand implant services into your practice, transforming your career by attracting new patients and elevating your practice. And it doesn't end with the course. Completing our program is just the beginning of a new journey. You'll be a part of a community of confident, skilled dentists with ongoing support to ensure lasting success and growth. After all, this is about mastering a skill that can transform your career, just like it did for me. So, are you ready to take your practice to the next level? Visit www.3d-dentist.com, check out our upcoming sessions, and join us to revolutionize your practice. 3D Dentist is truly committed to helping dentists take control of their practice, finances, and future. Now, let's get back to this week's episode.
1: Yeah, I would say they're probably at um, more like eight to nine hundred a day in PPO practices.
0: Okay. okay.
1: Is where I would say they probably are. And your and fees can... and your reimbursements are, are very typical. So this is going to apply to a lot of practices that are in the same situation as you.
0: If you don't mind. I want to focus our talk today on the PPO practice. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I want to focus on. I, I call it the do-it-yourself model. Okay, let's yeah. let's give them some tips and tricks. Yeah. And then the other thing I want to do is I want to set a couple of uh, a couple of groundwork here for people. Okay, because this is another thing that irks me about dentistry. I call it the um, uh, the male member uh, uh, contest. Okay. Okay. Is, your when we use production numbers we 're talking about uh-huh. adjusted production okay we 're not yes. talking about these fake numbers yes. um, because because at the end of the day, my practice produces ten million dollars a year, and we collect like five cents right. okay because I charge five thousand dollars for a crown, but my right. insurance company allows six hundred dollars so So when we say eight to nine hundred dollars these are these are collectible dollars yes. these are adjusted numbers for your insurance allowables, and when we 're saying a thousand to twelve hundred dollars, that again also is. <clears throat> your adjusted production, yes. so what you could expect to collect, and so so by doing quick some quick Indian math, yes, so that works out to be about hundred twenty-five to yep. about one hundred and forty dollars an hour. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. So if
1: you're at eight, if you're at eight hundred dollars a day, you're at about a hundred dollars an hour. And your question for me was frustrating situation where a practice is contracted with lots of PPOs. This is the primary form of payment for their patients, and they get stuck at eighty-five to ninety-five an hour. Right. How do we get out of that? So your so the questions are that we're going to go through is what causes this? What can we do about it? You know, how do we expand our services uh, without it negatively affecting your side of the practice? Right. So taking the hygienists' focus away from helping fill your book because this seventy to eighty percent that's coming from hygiene is fantastic. You know, our right. benchmark is at least sixty percent of restorative should be coming out of hygiene. And that supports the concept that if hygiene is the backbone of the practice, like we've heard for so many years, then, then they got to be the backbone. They've got to pull the weight in, you know, helping fill the doctor's restorative book. And then next is, you know, how does a dentist go about implementing an effective plan to overcome the problem and how do you know you're making progress? So that, that's, what we'll go, that's what we'll go through today. So yes, we're going to be talking in real numbers. This is net production. This is collectible production. And so if we go back and just start with the profitability piece, you know our, our classic benchmark is that hygienists should be producing at least three times their compensation. So I don't know that we have answered this question in the industry as to whether these benchmarks still apply in a heavy PPO practice. But in my opinion, you still have to be profitable, right? I mean, that's that's the measure of longevity for any business is the profitability point. And so that's a goal that we still need to strive for. Now we're going to look at some some variances around that in just a few minutes, but uh, I don't think there's anything wrong with continuing to strive for at least three times hygiene compensation being that net production. Okay, so, so if your hygienist are making... You know, $35 an hour, then that net production should be $105 per hour or more. Okay. Got gotcha. you. So, so what causes this? What causes the getting stuck at $85 to $95 an hour? And in my opinion, it's really a conflict between philosophy, standard of care, and basic math, right? So uh, you want your hygienist to have the time to deliver the high level care. So how much time does Megan have with a recare patient typically?
0: Sixty minutes.
1: Okay. So you want her to have the time to A, deliver high level care and B to help promote your dentistry, right? And help the patients want the dentistry that you're offering. But
0: you know, Rachel, it's never it's never enough time.
1: Right. And so <laughs> and so here we're gonna get to that. Okay. So don't let me forget that. Okay. We'll get to- you, I know, you want to preserve the amount of time they have, right, to identify co-diagnosed disease, present treatment, right. and your participating provider in several plans, which limits, right, the amount that you'll be reimbursed. So so let's look at, let's just look at the math here. Let's look, let's look at this example. So your fee, we're, and we're just going to start with some just basic hygiene codes here. So the PROFI code, the 1110, right, your practice fee. Is ninety five dollars, and your lowest reimbursing is, and we're we're not going to name the insurance companies. That insurance company that should remain unnamed. Their fee is is I think this is a six.
0: Yeah, probably
1: sixty seven dollars. Yeah, okay. It looks like it's sixty seven dollars. All right. So, and then the exam is um, your fee is seventy dollars. Their fee is fifty three dollars, and then let's say four bite wings their fee is $41.
0: No, no, you that's a comp exam.
1: Um, no, according to the, what, what they sent me, it says $53 for the exam.
0: For the periodic?
1: Yeah, for the
0: periodic. That, that's incorrect. I know that's incorrect. So they gave you the okay. wrong number. So, that's, that's the comp exam, but that's okay.
1: And that's okay because it doesn't really matter when we're talking about hygiene production. And here's something right, that-
0: uh, Good. I wanted, I, wanted you, I wanted to clarify that as well. Yeah, So, so here's
1: something we've changed our opinion about is that we used to have the exam included in hygiene production because really and truly, if your hygienists are doing, are promoting and enrolling 70 to 80% of your restorative, then they're probably doing 70 to 80% of the exam, right?
0: Well, I, I, I want them to do 99% of yeah, the exam. Yeah, yeah, right.
1: Too. So, <laughs> and, and the best hygienists do that. And it's frustrating for hygienists for them to do all that work and it not be credited towards their production. but what we've had to realize is that those exams—that is a doctor procedure.
0: Legally, yeah. legally,
1: it has to be billed to the doctor, and for you to do all the quirky math to work that back into their numbers. I mean, some practices choose to do that, but I would say just you know set the goal that so that it's realistic and takes that into account. So really and truly, whether that's your comp exam or your periodic exam reimbursement, it doesn't, doesn't make matter. a difference. Yeah when we're talking about, you know, hygiene production. So if we're looking at the lowest reimburse, the lowest reimbursement is this, if your hygienist is doing a prophy and four bite wings, she's going to be billing out $108 in that hour. Right. So that's better than the 85 to 95, but not much. No. Um, Right. And so then if she continues to do that appointment after appointment, after appointment, then, you know, it's going to be pretty hard for you to hit that a um, hundred and twenty five dollars an hour. If I, right? we
0: can, we're not doing bite wings in every appointment. That's let's right. call that every other appointment, essentially. Mm-hmm.
1: And then you throw in a missed appointment here. And then all of a sudden now you're down to that eighty five to ninety five dollars an hour. So it's it's really just basic math. And so we have to look at, OK, how do, how do we get that up? And so you have a few choices here you know, and and we're going to kind of jump around a little bit because we'll go back back and forth as things kind of just naturally come together. But what do we do about it? So we can expand our services, right? We can offer things like, uh, we could tighten up our period program so that she's not doing the bloody profies. because by the way, the bloody profies are one of the reasons why it feels like there's never enough time. So, right. So if, if that, Prophy expands, and one of the things I talk about is I do a course on hygiene time management that's actually really fun because we get to talk about the things that, you know, we couldn't do in hygiene school. Like, you know, I show a picture of a before and after a stain patient. Well, you know, you're not in hygiene school, and if there's a speck of stain there, but yet you're able to present treatment that's in the patient's best interest, then maybe we need to leave the speck of stain and move on to more important things, right? Exactly. So. So what we find is that, um, you know, there's this thing called Parkinson's law, and it says that a task will expand based on the time that is allowed. So if we allow 45 out of our 60 minutes for scaling, then a lot of times a hygienist is going to do 45 minutes of scaling. And that's That uh, is where this time crunch comes in very often, not always, but very often, is looking at how much time am I spending on scaling. And if we're doing a lot of bloody profis, then a lot of times it takes longer than it should. And so one of our benchmarks and things that you can take, I can just kind of measure is if you're spending more than 20 to 25 minutes on the scale and polish, that patient probably needs something other than a profi. They may need two profis or maybe they need periotherapy. But if but that's a good benchmark, if they're spending, if you are as a hygienist or if you're a hygienist, if you're a dentist or, a, um, you know, office manager are spending more than 20, 25 minutes on that piece, then that patient probably needs something other than a prophy. And so what that means is then we must allow 20 minutes or so in the beginning of the exam of the hygiene appointment before we start scaling to really do our exam right? That's where all of that happens is in that first 20 minutes is, you know, what is the perio status? What is their restorative status? What opportunities are there for the patient to get healthier? What have we presented in the past that the patient hasn't moved forward with yet? So when we look at what can we do about it, you know, one of the things we can do about it is expanding hygiene services so that we're offering higher level services in that same amount of time. And it's, it can be the typical things, right? Increasing perio, Uh, fluoride therapy where it's appropriate sealants. If that fits your philosophy products, although you have cost of products, so there's not a huge margin on products, but certainly that can help. The other option is decreasing hygiene appointment time. I mean, you know, the downsides of that are the conversation we just had, right? There's never enough time. And we want to make sure that our hygienists are are doing things, the things they need to do to help build your side of the practice. Uh, uh, one thing you can do about it is drop your lowest reimbursing plan. We had a client years ago that was in West Virginia and they were on a a very similar plan to this and 40% of their patients were in that one plan and they were bumping up against a capacity issue. Their hygienist was very busy and they were considering adding another hygienist and at this time, that plan was reimbursing $37 or a forty-three, forty-two, which is a localized quadrant of scaling root planning, I'm not exaggerating. And I said, you know, you can add another hygienist, but you're just going to go deeper into the hole.
0: Yeah, that doesn't and
1: make so any sense. That, it doesn't make any sense because you know he was paying his hygienist at least thirty dollars an hour. So you're not you're you're in the negative, right? That's seven dollars an hour if she were to spend an hour on that particular procedure is not even covering the overhead, um, you know, aside from her compensation. So, you know, look at those things like that. You know, how are, what are we looking at as far as, comp- as far as capacity goes? Are we maxed out? And is it going to be profitable to add a hygienist or does it make more sense to make the decision to drop a plan? And again, we refer to the pros on that when we see that that's an option. We, we refer to a couple different groups to analyze that, because that's a big business decision and you need to have all the facts before you do that. You know, one of the other things that you can do is adjust your your compensation model, right? And maybe pay your hygienist a base plus a percentage of whatever they hit over that three to one at that, and that is based on net production again. Uh, the other choice that you have is just like, and probably like you've done in the past is accept the lower profitability on the direct billable services and really empower your team to help build the other side of your practice, right? That's been your model mm-hmm. feeling, you know, in the past. And then, you know, you asked about comp exams and these, like we just said before, that might increase your doctor exam production, but it won't increase the hygiene production. So, so let's go back to the math here. And if we look at a, a morning, you know, where Megan maybe is seeing a Profi and bite wings at eight o'clock, a prophy and bite wings at nine. Then she's doing a perio maintenance. And then maybe she has two quads of therapy. Well, even with two quads of therapy in there, if she's doing, let's, we're, and again, we picked the lowest reimbursing. We're gonna pick the 4342, which this plan is reimbursing at $102. So if she schedules those two quads, um, an hour per quad, then you're never gonna get to your goal. So the other piece of this is how do we get creative in our scheduling? while still preserving the time to do things the right way. And so, you know, what I would do with you, Tarun, is I would say, okay, let's look at this. Could she do, you know, if we say we've got two quads of forty-three, forty-two, could we do two quads of that in one hour? Right now, all of a sudden, she's doing $204 in that one hour. And that can help carry the production that's not there for the other hours. So, You've got you've just got to really template your schedule and you've got to really agree with your team on what can we do to still deliver a high level of care, but get creative with the scheduling. And that's one thing that you can do is say, hey, if we're doing two quads of forty-three, forty-two, 42, then we're going to do that in one hour.
0: So I want to go back um, on a couple of things that you talked about here. So there's a couple of things that we have found uh, in the last few months to be helpful in our practice is we focused on fluoride therapy on adults. Yes. Okay. So that's helped us quite a bit because I don't know what the fee is, 10, 15, 20 bucks, whatever the dollar amount is. But if you can get 70, 80% conversion... You know, suddenly you go from that 75 dollars per per hour per visit, and now suddenly you're bumping that up to the hundred-plus dollar per visit. And I yes. think fluoride is a significantly underutilized service in the practice. Um, yeah. And it's a, it's honestly a very, very good service to provide patients. So, and and so I want, I want us to come back to t- to some verbal skills on how we get hygienists to do fluoride. To get them to understand, because we we went through that struggle a little bit in the beginning. Yeah. Uh, because they're like, now I feel like I'm selling fluoride. Yeah. And I, I don't want them to feel like they're selling anything. I'm anti products, just just personally, because I mean, there's Amazon for God's sakes. So so um, I'm anti decreasing hygiene time because I think the relationship is way more important than a little bit of hygiene production. Because the way the way I look at it is, if my hygienist can produce one crown for me because I gave her an extra ten. Minutes or fifteen minutes per patient. That that's like her whole entire day. So and the dropping insurance plan. That's the that's a year bot for anybody listening. Uh, they're gonna be like, yeah, I can't do that. It doesn't work in my area. Uh, and then mm-hmm. this comp exam thing. Yes, you're right. It doesn't help hygiene production, but it helps office production. Yeah. And this was an area that uh, I forgot about. You know, and it's amazing how we forget about things. So we, uh, I was trained to believe that comp exams were only for new patients. Yeah, right. And the truth is, is a comp exam can be done every three to five years based on your insurance carrier and should be done every three to five years. So one of the things that we've worked on in our practice is setting up a recall schedule within, you know, within your practice management software to remind you when your patient is due for a comp exam. Just like, you know, you can set up every six months to do for a perio, uh, sorry, a prophy or whatever. You can set up that they're due for, I don't know, 0, for 150, whatever the number may be. Yes. Uh, for, the comp, for the comp exam every three to five years. So that way, because that's extra 20 bucks, right? I mean, yep. last time I checked, if, if you do an extra 50 of those or 100, 200 of those a year, that adds up, you know, and yeah. uh, it, it makes a difference. So, but I want to come back to, I think the, the because it sounds so easy to stop doing bloody profis. Okay. Yeah. But why is it so hard, Rachel? Why is it so hard to, uh, to just stop doing them? Why is it so hard to, to have this to have the verbal skills to tell patients that you've been seeing for so long or maybe you're your new hygienist that's walking into a practice and and then you're 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 inheriting patients and you don't want to be the bad guy or girl that has to tell somebody this stuff. So tell tell me what what are the ch- how do how do we overcome some of that stuff?
1: Mm-hmm. So here's what we found, and and, and I want to go back to this math in just a minute because it's a, it's going to tie it all together. Is so you first brought up fluoride therapy, and now we're talking about the bloody profies and and the things that the the thing that those two items have in common is that they can increase production, and we can say because what what I what I calculated here as we were talking was, you know, adding two more, two fluoride therapies to this morning that we just did would actually get us to goal. And we'll go through that in detail in just a second. However, what we consultants have been guilty of is just that is saying, okay, all you need is two more fluoride therapies a morning, you know, and you can get to goal. And, and that works for a little while, but what we find is it doesn't result in long-lasting change. And here's the reason is because we're starting with production in mind instead of starting with the why. And it sounds kind of, you know, fluffy and all that, but it's really true is that the majority of the folks in our practice, thankfully, are very ethical. And we want to do things that are in our patient's best interest. And if we ever do things that feel kind of icky, which is doing treatments that are focused on production, then it we might do it for a little while, but we're not going to be able to. We're not going to be able to sustain that because it doesn't feel right. So, with anything that we're introducing, um, you know, all the technology that you've introduced in your practice and that you teach, you always go back to, okay, why, How does this help the patient? How does this result in a better restorative outcome? Right? How how does this either help me do this faster so the patient doesn't have to be in the chair longer? There's got to be a return for the patient here, and we got to focus on that first. So we first have to look at why, why should we even do anything differently aside from the production piece? And part of it is because it, we could do a bloody prophy and, and we may feel like we're treating the perio, but our patient doesn't know it. And I can tell you, I've met, you know, practices where they've been called before the board and they did therapy on the patient and the patient didn't even know it. And so we've got to make sure that we're communicating to our patients really clearly on what is really happening with their health. And we have to spend some time, whether it's with the fluoride therapy or whether it's bumping up our perio, we got to spend some time really focusing with our team on why. what it, What is the return for the patient if we do this? And why is this in our patient's best interest? And how is this going to help the patient have better uh, oral health, how's it going to have that help them have better overall health? How's it going to save them, you know, money in the long run as far as reduced risk for decay and things like that? Uh, we have to focus on that and then go to the production piece. So if we have that, that belief in place and we've worked on that, and that's one of the things we do very specifically and, and right away with our clients is we got to establish a belief, then the verbal skills are easier. This is coming from the heart, right? Because if it's coming from a production standpoint, then all of a sudden we got to create all these weird, these things, right things to say and all of that. And it feels kind of phony, but if it's coming from the heart, then we can use some key words and it just goes so much smoother. And the patients can tell that we have their best interest at heart. So a couple things that just really, Quick kind of verbal things that we have found work really well with practices, whether it's a new patient or I'm sorry, a new hygienist or whether it's an existing hygienist with a, a long term patient is, um, you know, just like with anything. If we want to get a different result, we've got to take some different action. And so a lot of times the hygienists feel like, well, gosh, I've been doing these profies forever. And now all of a sudden. I'm recommending therapy, but that's not true 95% of the time. 95% of the time what's true is they've been talking to the patient about the bleeding, right? They've been you know, recommending a different oral care device. They, you know, um, they have been shortening their interval. They, They've done something, they've had some discussion with the patient about this inflammation. And so go back to that, right? You've already planted the seed. Go back to the seeds you planted and say, look, we've talked about XYZ and we're not getting your body's not responding the way we had hoped, and it's time to do something different. So basically go back to all those seeds you've planted. It's not a new conversation. You're just now gonna be presenting a new solution to the problem. But let's look back at this problem that we've discussed over several recare visits. And it's not getting any better. Your body's not responding the way we had hoped. It's time to do something different. And and now you, and you present them with the evidence, right? You bring the patient alongside you. Just like with, you know, the intro camera, the patient is seeing the problem. We can do the same thing with Perio, right? We can take photos. You know, we can call out those numbers. We can bring the patient alongside us rather than waiting till the end of the appointment and then dropping the bomb, So that they, they are getting a picture of the problem and then we can offer that solution. And the same thing is true with fluoride is, you know, talk to them about what is the problem. The problem is, you know, they've invested all of this, you know, time and energy and money into this beautiful restorative work. And the problem is those bacteria are still there, right? They still have risk for decay. So what can we do to reduce the risk? Or the problem is they have exposed root surface and that root surface is, you know, seven times softer than enamel. And the bacteria is still there. What can we re- do to reduce the risk of that decaying? And so it being, it being the solution rather than being us you know, trying to sell them something.
0: So you, would you say that, um, so I, one of the things that we do with the hygienist is, as I said, let's, let's identify candidates for fluoride therapy. Yeah. And, and I said, basically, to me, this is very simple. Any patient that has recession is a candidate for fluoride therapy. And any patient that has restorations. Is a candidate for fluoride 95% therapy.
1: of your patients. Right.
0: Yeah. So, so if you look at it that way, and, and to me, the sell, quote unquote cell, and I, I you know, we all hate that word, but at the end of the day, that's what we're doing. Okay. Right. The cell is Mrs. Jones, you know, we'd like to add a protection layer to your teeth to help protect you from needing more expensive dental care down the road. Okay. And look, I'm a jokester in my practice and I tell my patients, listen, it's like a cheap insurance policy. You can pay me hundreds later or you can spend a few dollars now. You know, it's whichever one they prefer, and and I think ultimately you got to find your own way. That's why I don't believe in scripts, which is probably part of my problem. Yep. <laughs> but but no, um, I don't
1: think it's part of the problem. I mean, we feel the same way. It's it has to come from the heart, and then you have some key words, which is what you just said. You so you have a script, but it's one that feels natural. It's not one that's been you know pushed on you. You know, you have to say it this way,
0: right? And so so I find that the fluoride it, it just drives me nuts when we're not providing fluoride because it is easy and 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 honestly to me you know we can you know like i go back and forth with with my hygienist or with some of the team members like man you're doing it too or like say my reps even feel like you're doing it too cheap i'm like what's too cheap it, it, it costs you like two dollars or whatever the little $2. stuff yeah that's yes. what it costs you right and so charge your patient ten dollars fifteen dollars Make it, you know, if, if, if the, if the thing with your hygienist is going to be that they're so worried about how much you're charging for it, then make it affordable so that they're comfortable right. with it because it should I be completely about agree. the patient. So don't make it $30. I mean, to me, that's highway, in my opinion, that's highway robbery to paint some $2 fluoride on their teeth. Okay. But make it affordable for them because that's really good treatment for them. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hello, podcast family. T Bone here bringing you our newest live patient implant training, Full Arch Express. For dentists already placing implants and ready to level up and continue building their implant practice, this is the golden ticket. We're diving deep into Full Arch implants, the hottest game changer in implant dentistry. In this program, we tackle both overdentures and all annex fixed hybrids, mastering techniques that are essential for modern, comprehensive dental care. It's about getting your hands on the tools and techniques that will replace the doubt and fear with confidence and predictability. Here's the kicker. There's live patient training right here in North Carolina. You're not just learning theories. You're in the operatory doing real work on real patient from start to finish, guided one-on-one by our expert 3D mentors. You'll learn the nuances of each approach, ensuring you can cater to a wide range of patients to maximize revenue. Speaking of revenue, with me, you know it's not just about the clinical skills. We're bringing business into this aspect too, teaching you how to integrate these advanced services profitably into your practice. So, are you ready to rise up to the top in implant dentistry? Join us at the Full Arch Express. This isn't just another course, it's a career defining leap. Head to www.3d dentist.com to enroll in our next session. 3D Dentist is truly committed to helping dentists take control of their practice, finances, and future. Now, back to this week's episode.
1: Yeah, I agree. And that was that was uh, one thing that came to mind for me is make sure your pricing is set where it's easy for your team to recommend it. And so, yeah. I mean, it's still, it's, yeah, I I completely agree with you on that. And what I would say is just to add to it is just make sure you're making it personal. You know, so often we kind of get in this robotic mode of, you know, well, you're due for your x-rays or you're due for fluoride um, is patients don't care about what they're due for. They don't want to be put into our, like, Standard, right? <laughs> they they want it. They want it to be because it makes sense to them.
0: Rachel, so, I, I listened to a lady. Spe- I, I shouldn't say lady. I listened to somebody speaking one day, and 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 <laughs> they
1: did, you did say
0: lady, I, I, but I didn't mean it that way. Okay, and <laughs> okay. it but happened to be a lady. Okay, and she said, I was, I, I just happened to ask her about this floor. I think she says. You should have a thing at the, at the front desk and your patients should check off if they want fluoride or not. And then their hygienists will know if they want fluoride or not. I'm like, no person in their right mind is going to check off that they want fluoride. I mean, that, that's, that's the most impersonal thing I've ever like, – so I'm not going to check off that I – that's like me when I go to the car wash place saying I want to check off that I want detailing on my car because I'm never going to do it. I mean, well, it, it, right.
1: and that, So that goes to the, my next comment, which was going to be don't ask the patients if they want it, right? Assume, because I hear this too, is do you want this? No, I don't want this. I want to get in and out of here as fast as possible and do the minimum. Instead is assuming, right, based on what their risk is, right? So if you have a patient that has zero decay and has zero recession, has zero restorations, then they really have very, very low risk for decay. And so it is that in their best interest, but not ni- the rest of the 95% of your patients is make it personal, right? Make it make sense to them. Just like, just like you said, you know, I was just going to bring up, I was listening to your podcast that you did with um, your friend. That's the insurance advisor Mark is, yeah. you know, you don't, you don't go in saying, Mark, I want to give you, you know, $500 a month to insure me <laughs> it, but Mark, creates the value because it's protecting all these investments and in your family and all of those things like that. So I love that analogy. I think that's
0: perfect. And it comes it comes from trust, right?
1: It does. And and you're being authentic, which is you and and we really should all be comfortable being ourselves and being real with our patients and saying, here's the thing, like you you've invested a lot. You spent a lot of time here. We want to to help you protect that, so it's fifteen dollars now, or if you have to replace this crown, it's another, you know, five hundred dollars. Yeah, exactly. So it just doesn't right. It doesn't make sense. So, so here's where the math comes in. Is, you know, if we look at your hygienist schedule and we look at Prophy and bite wings, Prophy and bite wings, perio maintenance, two quads of a localized periotherapy in an hour, and then another profi with no bite wings, just $67 profi. If you threw in three fluoride therapies in those one, two, three, four, five patients, all of a sudden you're at the $125 an hour. Now, is that an ideal day? Yeah, it is an ideal day, but we're also using your lowest reimbursing fee. So you've got, you know, one-
0: And right now I'd take it. You've got eight other plans. I'd, I'd take it. right
1: you've got, well, I would say you've, yeah, you've got six to eight other plans that reimburse higher than this. So chances are you're going to hit that. So let's look at, yeah, so if we can, let's look at, um, you know, just kind of the next question about expanding services. How do, So how do we focus on increasing perio without it negatively affecting the restorative?
0: Yeah. So my, my concern in that is that suddenly we so focus so much on perio. Like I had one hygienist, okay? And she was, her perio numbers were off the chart, but I never got any work out of her off, out of her treat, out of her operatory. Like all her patients, like all they did was perio. And and actually a lot of those patients didn't like our practice very much afterwards. I think she was selling them to be quite honest with you, or they perceived she was very selling them.
1: Okay. So first and foremost is you've got to really establish your philosophy strongly with your team. And, you know, with, you know, Megan's been with you for a long time. And she has shown, you know, how great she is at helping you enroll restorative. And so she understands your philosophy. And so chances are she's going to be able to balance this really well. You know, with your your newer hygienist, it's going to be really important for you to just really express, you know, where, what your philosophy is around this and look at when is it appropriate for Perio to take the front seat, and when is it appropriate for it to take the backseat, right? Because the bottom line is the non-negotiables are that we have to identify and co-diagnose disease and present treatment to address the disease. We have to do that. And so that's probably an area where um, you could really grow things as far as, like you said, you don't feel like there's untreated perio, but it's being treated in the bloody profy, which means they may or may not have the time to appropriately address the problem. And also to educate the patient into what's happening and and so that they're very aware. So
0: um, I call it approval addiction. So you said it was okay.
1: Tell me about that.
0: So I, I think what happens is it's easier for people to do bloody profies because patients will just say yes to you versus having to get up and sit down and tell them that they have gum disease or that they need something different. I think I, that's what I—that's what I really think it boils down to. Because I think, a, we perio probe our patients, okay, so we're not a practice yeah, that doesn't sure do. probe, okay. All so, right. so, so I think really boils down to having those uncomfortable conversations, and I think. I think that's really, really where the problem lies And most practices out there is not that the patients don't exist because that's total garbage. Okay. And it's not that the patients don't want to be healthy because I believe that's total garbage. Uh, I think it's more that our team members or us ourselves, you know, because I'm just as guilty, if not more guilty than my hygienist of this is we just want to do what makes it easy for the patients. And what's yeah. easy for the patients is just to keep doing what we've always done.
1: Yeah. But it's not always what's in the patient's best interest now. Sometimes it may, you know, sometimes it may be, but sometimes it may not be. And um, I think that's an interesting theory. And I would say it goes back to the conversation of really focusing on the why, because what has to happen is our conviction to help the patients get healthier and our conviction that this is in our best and patient's best interest has to be stronger. Than the uncomfortable feeling that we have when we're about to have this conversation, we've got to we've got to shift the balance.
0: On I think that. sometimes, as as a, as a practice leader, whether and I say leader, not as the owner, I'm the owner, but whether you're an owner or not, uh, as a practice yeah. leader, even if you're the hygiene leader, I think sometimes you have to draw a line in the sand, and and like on some patients where where you know what we can't do profies anymore, we can't we can't say right. you know what next time if it's this way then you have to do this, right? And I, I've heard this before, right? So next time, yeah. okay, Mrs. Jones, next time it's this way, but the next time it's the next time, right? And right. at some point you have to draw the line and say, and you say, Mrs. Jones, we no longer can accept to neglect what's going on here. If you can't, you know, and you, and it's so hard. And I get it as, as if we can't do this, then maybe this isn't the right dental home for you.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and we, and there are times that that conversation comes, but again, it's the, You know, it's, it's, that's a small percentage of your patients that that happens with.
0: So we're. But I think that sends a message sometimes. It lets your team know that you're serious, that, 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 that that you, that like, listen, that you're willing to say, you know what, that in other words, that the production isn't that important. In other words, that I'm willing to do, I'm I'm willing to do whatever the patient wants versus what's right for the, what's right. So. Right.
1: So, okay. so first is getting really clear with your entire team on your philosophy about what comes first. And it's not always black and white, uh, but give them some really clear guidelines. Here are some questions that you can ask uh, when you're going through this with your team is, you know, what are the patient's medical risk factors? Right. Because that can play a huge role in what comes first. If you're dealing with a diabetic patient, you know, and and obviously we're going to use a very obvious example, but but this can also become very subtle. And, you know, you start with the obvious cases and then you refine your skills to where you're looking at this more closely with other folks. But if you've got a diabetic patient that has even some localized, you know, bleeding four to five millimeter pocket depths with bone loss, and you're looking at doing restorative, it probably would be in the best interest of that patient to get that inflammation cleared before you start restorative, because you're depending on that strong foundation to hold and, and for them to have a good healing overall. So what are the patient's medical risk factors? Does the presence of the disease affect the risk factors and vice versa? Are there imminent emergencies, right? The imminent emergencies take precedence. And does the patient have a specific concern that might direct our first course of action? So, you know, is the patient having a toothache? Well, I mean, again, this sounds super obvious, but it's worth saying is, um, and th- because with hygienists sometimes, like you said, they can get blinders on and get so focused on the period. It's like, yes, but the patient's having a problem here that we need to address. And if we don't address that, then we're not gonna gain the patient's trust. So sometimes planting the seed um, you know, helps helps w- with trust. And I, you know, we've been working with this one client and they kind of had the philosophy of, well, we're gonna present the perio, even with new patients. We're gonna present the perio, and if they don't go for it, then We're just not going to schedule them for anything. Well, that patient is not going to call you up and say, you know, I know you wouldn't do any treatment on me last time. I really want to do that periotherapy so that I can come and be a patient. They're not going to do that. And they're not going to call another dental office. They're going to now go into the dental twilight zone again for another five years. And that's not in anybody's best interest either. So we had to work together because they had a real hard time understanding how I can say, okay, so... You know, you're not ready to move forward with this treatment. What what's the next step so we can at least keep that patient engaged in our practice and build trust with them, right? Get them to know us. What can we do that's not going to compromise their treatment, but is going to be at least one little baby step to get them moving forward? Um, you know, that might be bringing them back for an above the gun line prophy. And I know that that sounds kind of crazy to some people, but again, if we send the patient off into you know back into their world, they're not going to get engaged with another dentist right away. They're going to, they're going to be, you know, in a state of neglect again for several years. So as you're going through this philosophy, look at some cases, you know, pull some cases. I remember we had a a patient that had, I would say beginning to moderate periodontal disease, pretty generalized, but she had, she was very young. She had six teeth that were decayed at the gum line. So, you know, that's an imminent emergency. So what we did first is we, she had to have those all those teeth removed and have that risk of infection reduced, then we could go back and we could look at, you know, the perio. So you've got to decide what are the priorities and and what takes precedence. And that's going to be um, specific to your philosophy. That's, that's the first step. Okay. The second step is, really having kind of a decision tree and and making sure that your hygienists are spending the time before they start scaling on, on this exam process, right? So they're not starting the scaling five minutes after the patient sits down. So that's something to look at is what are we doing before scaling starts? Because we really got to know what we're dealing with before we can decide what procedure is being delivered that day. So you know, the worst thing is for a hygienist to get halfway through a prophy and realize, oh shoot, like this patient really needs therapy. And now I've got a backpedal. So let's find out before we start scaling what the needs are and kind of coming up with a decision tree of, okay, so if we see active disease, then, you know, now, now we're moving and let's look at the pair. let's look at the restorative needs. What are we seeing with restorative? You know, and if we're seeing this level of disease and this level of restorative, then we're going to move to restorative first. But we always got to make the patient aware that there are other needs. So whether you're going perio first or restorative first, we've got to just let them know there are these other underlying issues that we're going to get to, but we're addressing the most urgent thing. And patients like that, right? They, I mean, how many times have you had a patient say, okay, is this the most important thing first? Or are we just doing this because, you know, this is where doctor wants to start. Like they want to know, that the most important problems are being addressed first so have kind of you know go through some cases and go through some scenarios but make sure the time is there so that the hygienist has an opportunity to go through that mental process and decide you know here's what's happening what what i'm expecting is is dr agrawal's going to recommend this or they say there's several issues and i and i'm really depending on him to help us determine the first priority so you know with new hygienists that may be your first step is you say, I want you to highlight all the problems and then I'm going to come in and we're going to determine the priorities together. And that's part of your training for them. Whereas with a more seasoned hygienist, they're going to know your philosophy and they're going to know what comes first. Does does that make sense? And did that answer your
0: question? Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. Because there there are going to be some conditions that you say, we need to address this before we get to the perio. And there are going to be some perio conditions that you say we need to address this before we get to the restorative. So and then the next step is as soon as we can, if they're going into perio, then we bring that restorative conversation back up. And it could be that we we bring it up in um kind of different levels. So maybe they come back, you know, for that first session of periotherapy and we just share with them, hey, next time you come, we're gonna also, you know, we're gonna also make sure, you know, that we let you know about those cavities that we mentioned and what the first step is with that. And then maybe that's all we say at that first, you know, perio session. And then the second perio session, they come in and then we, maybe we bring it up. Right. And then, and so you got to decide like, how fast are we going to move them into perio uh, or I'm sorry, into restorative once they've gone through perio. So I think part of it is just a general awareness of your philosophy and awareness of from you is I want to make sure that we're not slowing down this yeah. restorative process. It's
0: interesting you say something about that, Rachel, because um, one of the things that I think we're very good at is when we see patients with perio and other significant needs, yeah. or I should let me not say significant, other needs, uh, what I always tell my patients is, listen, first things first, we got to get our foundation straight which is your gums, the health of your gums and your bone around your teeth, okay? And then we're going to schedule you for a, a re-examination, a co-diagnosis. And at that point, we're going to go through tooth by tooth after we've got everything cleaned up so we can see better. And then we'll do a complete, a, a thorough examination. Now, if they have teeth with whole big holes in it, you know, things, stabilization, we'll combine that with perio treatment and get that taken care of as part of stabilization. But uh, But yeah, so you're right. I think too often what happens is we overwhelm the patient And we start talking about the perio situation and the restorative situation and this situation. And they have, let's say, hey, I want to get my teeth straightened up. And we get excited about the teeth straightening. And then we just suddenly, before you know it, we we haven't really given the patient a concrete plan of action.
1: Right. And then then we present them with this giant financial obligation and they're, yeah, completely overwhelmed. So, yeah. So I love that. I love that approach. And then what you can do is you can combine that. Tooth by tooth, with one of their perio sessions. So again, you know, we want to make it easy for the patients, so we're not having to bring them back time after time after time. So let's let's make it make sense and make it efficient for them. I think that's great.
0: All right, so we've got a few minutes left here. So um, so I, I think we're going to make fun of my practice numbers for a second. Okay. Yeah. So what do you want to? What do you? What kind of? What what kind of bad news you want to tell the the listeners?
1: Well, here's what I want everybody to ask themselves. Right? Is First, I want you to ask yourself, and I'm gonna ask you this, and you may not know the answer to this, and that's okay. You can go back and ask your hygienist. Is first question is with your existing recare patients? So these are the adult profies perio maintenance that come into your practice every day. What percentage of those patients would you say have four millimeter pocket depths, bleeding, and some even crestal bone loss? what percentage of your patients would you say present with that existing patients? If you had to guess.
0: Um, 15, 20%. Okay. So
1: uh, let me make sure I said this correct. 4% 4 millimeters or greater Mm -hmm. bleeding and bone loss. Okay. 15 to 20%. All right. Great. And then what about new patients, new adult patients that come in 4 millimeters or greater bone loss and bleeding?
0: Twenty-five percent.
1: Okay. So your numbers are actually a little bit lower than what we typically
0: that's hear. And that doesn't
1: my, surprise me. That's my guess. Yeah. And, and so go back and ask your hygienist. I'd
0: probably show I move wrong.
1: No, maybe not, because I, I know um, you know, everybody kind of uses this excuse of I live in this patient where everybody's educated and nobody has disease. Yeah, but
0: listen, those are the those are the people like I have I probably have period disease. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm educated um, and I have money. <laughs> Come on.
1: Uh, right, right, right. So we've all seen that. So that's okay, because this is probably what most dentists would say. I would say most hygienists would probably say higher. Okay. So what I want everybody to do is go and ask yourselves, ask your hygienist these questions. And then what we're going to do is we're going to measure that then against your perio percentage. So your perio percentage in your practice, based on how we at Inspired Hygiene calculate this, is 8%, right? So your perio percentage is a lot lower than what you're saying the, you know, reality of perio is in your practice. Now, every patient that you present therapy to is not going to say yes, right. right? But but if we just looked at your new patients, right? If, and we're, again, we're super conservative. So you said 30 to 40 new patients a month. So let's mm-hmm. say you have 40 new patients a month and 25% of them have some level of perio. So that's 10, 10 patients, right? Yeah. So- so if you have 10 patients, and then again, let's be conservative and let's say out of those 10 patients, Four. two Four. patients, yeah. let's say those 10 patients that have perio that they need two quads of therapy
0: okay? okay,
1: times two. So now we're up to 20 quads. So that would be your, I would say that would be a, a fair estimate to the potential of perio, like low end potential of perio therapy in your practice Based on new patients, and you guys are actually doing about 17 quads a month, so you're pretty close to that. So that that means that you're probably pretty good at you're probably pretty good at enrolling your new patients into therapy, right? Because well, your number matches. Well,
0: that goes back to approval addiction.
1: Yeah. Right. So you're probably pretty good at that. But what's happening is there's probably very little or no perio being presented to existing patients. So you have another nine hundred and fifty to a thousand recare patients. And there's probably very, there's probably a good percentage. I would say 20. Per, what we use is 10 percent. We look at 10 percent. So if you have 900 patients in recare, which I think you actually based on your numbers, I think you have more, a bit more yeah. times. I mean, that's that's another 20 quads a month at least. And when you say quad, you're talking about
0: four, three, four, two, and four, three, four, one. It doesn't matter, right? Right, doesn't okay.
1: matter. So you could you could conservatively do double the amount of Perio, right? Which is what I want. Doing. I want us
0: to be at fifteen to twenty percent.
1: Yes. So you could easily do that.
0: Do you think this 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 business of being at thirty percent of hygiene production being Perio number is that realistic?
1: Yeah, I think it is realistic, but it depends on a lot of things. I mean, remember we're we're um, including Perio maintenance in that too. Okay. So we haven't even talked about that. That's a, that's a whole nother thing, but um, we
0: can't talk about perio maintenance until we get people enrolled in perio.
1: Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And you only have um, probably about five patients in perio maintenance, right?
0: Yeah. It's, it's unbelievable, Rachel.
1: So that's, that's part of that calculation and that, but it, it takes time. So you're not going to go from 8% to 30% in six months right? You might go from 8% to 30% in a, in 18 months because that includes the perio maintenance. So yes, it is real. And we have clients that are at that, at that level, but you could easily double and, and that would help you. So let's look as we wrap up here, cause I know we're going a little bit long, but this has been fun. How do you know you're making progress, right? You have to measure. So again, going back to that three to one profitability. So measure that, right? What, it, what is your hygiene, your net production, compared to hygiene compensation, right? And that includes, um, you know, your, you know, vacation and uniform allowance. All
0: that nonsense. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So some people put taxes in overhead. Some people put it in compensation. Then it doesn't doesn't matter whichever way you choose to do it. Figure out where you are with that. Uh, Open time, you know, that excessive open time obviously can be a huge culprit for profitability. So, you know, is it that you've got a lot of open time, or is it that your hygiene schedule is packed and you need more available appointments? Is that And how do you make that profitable? Look at your perio percentage We, we say we, we like to see our practices at 25% or higher, but there needs to be a balance between the SRP and the perio-maintenance. Um, you can go to inspiredhygiene.com slash periotool and you can run your numbers just like I did with Tiva's practice and figure out what your perio percentage is so it's inspiredhygiene.com/perio tool t o o l looking at your net production how close are you to that you know $1200 mark $1000 a day mark with your net production and then um, the other thing that we look at is, you know, recare effectiveness. And these are all things that we look at when we do a hygiene analysis. We've done this for you and your practice in the past. But, you know, even if you just pick one of these or two of these to measure and just track it, you know, for several months and just create that awareness with your team and establish the why, if I can give any advice, that's it, is really discuss why is this in our patient's best interest before we discuss how does this increase our production?
0: So, all right, Rachel, we didn't talk about... There's so much we could have talked about. Jesus, I wrote down so many things. Like we can I, do a part two. We we should because I talked about I just because you just talked about being booked, and then I just said okay. So if I have a new patient that comes to my office right now, because you know what drives me crazy is when people don't follow the blocks, and then and we you we,
1: we to, fill a yeah. schedule
0: with eight recalls a day, and then we get a new patient that comes in that needs perio treatment, and now we're working through lunch, we're working late, we're adding days. And then we're creating this whole this whole problem in the practice because and then or then 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 we're afraid to diagnose perio because then we're like, where in the hell are we going to put them? You know, it, it there's, right. so, there's so many moving parts to this. And I think um, that, you know, that's part of the problem there. And and I think to me, the biggest thing I so so if I if I were to give people a couple of messages, OK, I, I would say this. I, I would say number one is you got to know the score of where you're at now in your practice, okay, and it doesn't matter where you're at in terms of uh, whether it's a thousand dollars a day, eight hundred dollars a day, five hundred dollars a day, or two thousand dollars a day. Uh, we all want improvement, yeah, and then we can't we can't look and listen to people let's say you should be at this number because getting there takes, as Rachel said, 18 months, 24 months. Every practice is gonna be a little bit different. And what you have to do is you have to define how you're gonna get there in a stair-step method, okay? And what I would say to you from my perspective, and, and I've seen our numbers increase, for me, I looked at what are the easiest ways for us to get there. And for me, the easiest non-intrusive ways for us to get there was the first thing we did was we added fluoride therapy to, to our hygiene department, okay? Mm-hmm. We started looking at it for adults. Uh, number two, while this didn't help our hygiene numbers, it helped our practice numbers, we started doing comp exams every three to five years on our patients. Uh, number one, Also, that allowed us to actually do a comp exam on patients every three right. to five years and reestablish... That, that level of trust and relook at everything and ask those tough questions, uh, you know, ask those over, overall looking questions with them, uh, which was great. And then I think the other couple of other things, and, and I wish we had more time to talk about it, was the concept of uh, 4342, because when I was in school, I don't think that existed. Uh, right. We only had this whole, the entire quad, and now we can have localized perio treatment. Okay. And, and then, that's a very underutilized code. So, yeah, that's. And uh, just a quick question on that if you do a 4342, can you do a profi at the same time?
1: You can do whatever you want. If you're expecting reimbursement, the answer is
0: no. Okay, so there, that's okay. Yeah, because the insurance companies dictate everything. So, so uh, Okay, and then uh, <laughs> the, the other thing I think that's underutilized, and this is a source of frustration for me as well, uh, is arresting Because now Arreston, I used to hate Arreston because I had to buy it and it expired. Now they have the Arreston RX program. So like you don't even have to buy this stuff. You just write a prescription for it and the company, you know, your patients will get it prescribed to them and you can just charge a placement fee of 50, 70 bucks whatever you want to do makes it super easy for you and your patients. So we should be utilizing that more. Uh, I would say that if you're doing a 45 minute schedule, I would say seriously consider going to a 60-minute schedule uh, on that. And, um, you know, and then I I really like, uh, and we we utilize this. Um, We don't do hygiene checks at the end of appointments anymore. Uh, We try to do our hygiene checks at the 15 to 20-minute mark. Uh, because we try we try to break uh, the visit down into three sections, 20, 20, 20. Uh, 20 minutes is to do a fact gathering, 20 minutes for the, the actual profi, and then 20 minutes for g- God knows what at the end. I don't even ask anymore. And then uh, the other thing I would say is if your hygienists don't have their own cameras, uh, get them some cameras. it's it's, camera in every operatory Mm -hmm. yeah and that's what we've done we put uh, digital slrs in every operatory in the practice and and enough mirrors and retractors to go through the day so
1: and take photos on perio patients just like you would for prophy patients because that's going to help your reimbursement um it's going to help with educating the patient so that's that's something that a lot of us have never thought of in the past but yeah Take, take pictures of those bleeding gums.
0: So Rachel, in conclusion, if people want to get in touch with you, what's the best way to to learn more about Rachel or get in touch with you or hear you speak or, you know, all of that stuff?
1: Yeah. So um, our speaking calendar for all of us at Inspired Hygiene is on our website, which is inspiredhygiene.com. Anybody can email me at rachel at inspiredhygiene.com. And I want to offer to your listeners our book. So this is, um, we're just releasing, um, I'm just releasing my first book. It's called ROH, Return on Hygiene. And it really goes into even more detail, T-Bone. I'll send you a copy of this uh, in some of the things that we discussed, got some cool worksheets and some things that you can do with your team. And it'll be on our website very soon. Uh, but for your listeners, if y'all will email us at rachel at inspiredhygiene.com and just put in the, the subject line book request. Um, then we will send you a book and we will, we'll take care of the shipping. We'll send it to you and the shipping will be on us. And we'd love to share that with your listeners. And thank you so much for having well, me on Rachel, here. I love- thank
0: you. And I appreciate that. And, and, you know, as, as an Indian, uh, my listeners will love anything free.
1: <laughs> I love it. You're awesome. Um, thanks everybody for listening and, um, have a super day.
0: Thanks so much for listening to T-Bone Speaks with Dr. Tarun Agarwal. Remember to keep striving for excellence and we'll catch you on the next episode. Hey podcast family, T-Bone here. Are you a dentist looking to elevate your practice and profits? Then pay close attention. Introducing the 3D business mastermind, the dental business coaching program designed for dentists who want to see real results. I've walked the path of practice ownership for nearly 25 years I know your challenges, I felt your pain. This is your opportunity to overcome the chaos, the busyness, and the financial frustrations of owning a dental practice. Imagine a dental practice where your appointment book is highly productive, doing the dentistry you enjoy, your team is self-motivated, and your profits keep climbing. That's what the 3D Business Mastermind is all about. In this exclusive mastermind, you'll join a league of ambitious dentists, driven to elevate their practices. You'll gain access to proven strategies, personalized coaching, and a community that understands your journey. So if you're ready to supercharge your dental practice and enjoy the success you deserve, visit www.3d-dentist.com and take the first step towards a brighter future in dentistry by filling out the 3D Business Mastermind application. Now, let's get to this week's episode.